This podcast features discussions about finances and money, which are general in nature. For personal advice specific to your circumstances, see a licensed financial planner or relevant qualified professional. Hi, folks. Welcome along to another exciting episode of Looking Under the Hood. I'm Scott Malcolm, and we are here unpacking the money stuff. Now, today I'm joined by one of our friends to the show, Narelle Glynn from Hunter Advocates. Narelle's been on the show before. You can go and check out episode 16, where we talked about the property market and the excitement of uh, everything going on at the moment. But I've invited Narelle back because Narelle also does a lot of project-based stuff, but also uh, holiday rentals and I often have clients come to me and they watch all the fun shows online and think, yeah, awesome, we're going to buy an apartment or buy a state somewhere and we're going to set it up as an Airbnb and the money's going to roll in. So, Narelle, welcome back. How are you going? Thanks, Scott. I'm doing well. Thank you. Lockdown 6.0 and we are eagerly anticipating the reopening of Melbourne and seeing some great property stuff happen. Very exciting times. And so, look, as I say, like you've done a lot of cool projects and uh, a bit of a shout out. I put the French house on our uh, show notes today. I just, again, that's been one of the things that I like to look at. I've been going down lots of Instagram rabbit holes uh, during lockdown and it's been been fun to look at the amazing places that we can potentially go and visit again once we're traveling and travel restrictions ease. But going through the process of setting up a place, putting it on Airbnb or putting it on short-term rentals, is it as easy as people like to think it is or say it is? <laughs> yes and no. And I would say that it is certainly a project that you add to your life. And I would also say that it can be as hands-on or hands-off as you like. And we have certainly benefited from having local experts manage particularly the French house because it is quite a boutique property at that higher end. And we really saw the value in investing in some experts to manage that for us. If you like comfortable homes, then the setup is is pretty intuitive. We've got two holiday homes that we let out on the short term and I've set them up exactly as I like my actual home to be. So people often comment that my kitchens are better equipped than their kitchens at home. And that's because I just like to arrive and feel comfortable and be able to cook or prepare anything that I want to basically. That's why I love Airbnbs as well. You get to go and roll in and basically bring your luggage, but then actually just go, wow, this is now my place for the day or or for the weekend or whatever it might be. So that's fabulous. Yeah. And I think at the very start, Airbnbs could be a little bit dodgy. And when I say that, you know, it really was the extra room or somebody's holiday house with all of their stuff in all the cupboards that was not really to my taste. So I think things have really evolved and got to that place where you can turn up and, and it almost feels like no one's been there before you. Now you've just brought back a, a memory for me. For the, I think the first time I ever used an Airbnb with my, my partner, we roll into New York and we had a, a room in a, an apartment. And so we, we hadn't really gathered that the owner was going to be there at the time. We thought we were actually going to get the apartment. And so the experience was very much a different uh, shared experience on that front with uh, Airbnbs. 
I digress on that on that side. But I guess what are some of the lessons that you've learned going down that path and, and through that process? So again, I said before, well, is it easy? But I mean, you've obviously said get get experts in. But are there tips and traps that for people thinking about it? Obviously, the property market's still fairly uh, buoyant at the moment and going along. So yeah, what are some of those? Yeah, I would say choose your location wisely and certain attractions obviously bring in more occupants. So the obvious choice is the beach, but I'll talk about seasonality in a moment. You know, mountain areas, different natural attractions that will actually bring in that traveller market. That's really important because in downturns when there's less people travelling, then they're going to flock to those areas and your property might not be featured so that's something that, that I would definitely look at. And then when I look at seasonality, for sure. So our property in Trentham, which is near Dalesford, is a very year-long, year-round season as compared to a beach where they would be probably charging double rates in the, in the high season and then it really drops off in the low season. So it's really important to talk to local experts and understand what that seasonality impact will be and what sort of occupancy you can expect for a particular area. Is it as easy as rolling in while you're on your, your next weekend away and go, right, we love the area, let's go and uh, knock on some doors at the real estate agents or is it a bit more uh, sinister than that when you start looking at those sort of things? Oh, well, I think COVID has thrown everything on its head really. I mean, I know that, that properties were selling before photographers had even been through and they were selling sight unseen. So I would say in normal times, building a relationship with the local real estate agents so that you can be across any new listings that come along uh, we actually built from scratch. So that was a little bit different in that we um, selected the acre that we wanted to build on. And I probably wouldn't advise the way we did it on a bit of a whim. Um, but we, you know, did some research into recent prices and that sort of thing. But we pretty much came back from our holiday in France and decided that we couldn't get there as often as we wanted to. And so wanted to build our own little French house. We actually started our research from the farmhouse in Bordeaux, would you believe? <laughs> I think that's marvellous. And and if you have, like, check, seriously check out Instagram because the French house photos, like, again, I don't know if it's just your camera angles or whatever it is, but they are phenomenal. Well, I guess if I can continue on with that theme, it's a nice segue to the photography because you really want to have a an online presence that stands out. I mean, it's pretty obvious when somebody has just walked around with an iPhone and not a particularly great eye for taking a shot and taking their own. And I've invested in professional photography, which can only be, you know, three to $500. And it really stands out online when people are, you know, a bit fatigued and looking for a place. There's some outlays that I think give you an ROI on that spend. Because there are so many websites out there these days, so even Airbnb, lastminute.com, a lot of them seem to be doing that short-term rental market now as well. Do you need to have your own website on top of that? Yes, I can talk to that for both of our properties. So the French house is that higher-end sort of luxury rental, but our property up in the um, Eildon National Park is, you know, a much more accessible price range and, and so we manage that ourselves on Airbnb. So what I would say about each of those is the property that we are actually letting through a managing agent, they subscribe to all of the different booking channels on our behalf. So there's no reason for me to maintain a website. And then the property up in Eildon is absolutely surprised us and delighted us because of a platform like Airbnb, a very remote property, albeit with outstanding mountain and lake views. 
is being found by people that would arguably never have searched for that exact spot in the national park. So, you know, you can get the best of both worlds. And, you know, I did at the outset build a WordPress website and it pretty much did my head in, but I became an overnight expert in that for no no good reason. And I don't think it really moved the needle for us. So I would say that, you know, if you're in a highly competitive area to go through a local expert and then the power of Airbnb is actually quite phenomenal. Again, if you present well with photography and the description of your property, you'll be in good stead and i mean look you've done construction as well so you get a blank canvas if you buy a block of land and you can obviously do a bit more on that front potentially but any tips in that space i guess build versus renovate uh, yeah, so building for us opened up a whole lot of um, tax deductions, as you would know. So that was really beneficial for us. And we did actually look at bringing in an old property, you know, trucking in a, a beautiful Edwardian from Melbourne, for example, but it just worked out for tax reasons and our French desire to build a house uh, that we went down the track of building. Um, but what we did do, actually, we consulted with that local rental agent to understand who our target was and what they were looking for. And, you know, in terms of the bedroom size, the number of bathrooms and the floor plan that we ended up designing was really amenable to having, you know, two separate groups staying in in relative, you know, separation and privacy, but then also a wonderful open floor plan for them to, you know, get together and enjoy. And then another piece of great advice that they gave us was to, you know, simple thing, but to get split king beds so that we could have either four couples or eight singles. So our place is really adaptable to a whole lot of different target audiences. And that means that we're booked every weekend. Well, well done on that. And and any insights on that PR process? I guess so you found the house, like you've got your photography done. Is it easy enough once you've got everything done and if it does look schmick enough to then start rolling into some of the weekenders and other places that are looking for content on that daily basis? Uh, Yes and no. So I would say yes, if you're with a great agency or if by virtue of your profession, you're connected to these type of people, but it is very clicky. I've noticed photographers and stylists and, and these groups, they sort of feed off one another and support and promote each other's projects. And so if you can get yourself into some great media, then it, it does continue to pay dividends uh, for many years, actually. Yeah, fantastic. And and I guess the, the importance of maybe having a bit of a theme or some, a uniqueness, like I, my partner and I went up to Dalesford we stayed in this really funky retro plate and basically everything in there, like we're sort of walking around going, oh, my, my grandmother used to have this, like full 70s decor. And so, again, some you, you necessarily wouldn't want to have it in your house, but for a weekend away, it was just like going, yeah, this is this is all this is awesome. Like, so that everything in the kitchen, all those sort of things. So is, is having a bit of a theme sort of uh, importance or something people should think about as well? Yeah, I 100% agree. I think gone are the days where you can just throw up all your tired couch and throw it up to the holiday house. No way. I mean, there is, particularly in the Dalesford region, I've noticed so many interior designers have got their hands on a cottage and renovated it. So it's really competitive. And, you know, I, I felt really proud of the French house. And then after that, all these new properties started coming along and, um, you know, it's really stiff competition. So, and I know the place you're talking about that you stayed in, I love a theme and I think it stands out. Dalesford is saturated with cute cottages, you know, so you need something that people will seek out and they'll come back to and talk about with friends because it stands out for representing something different. So people will probably tell you if you're good at interiors and design and and if you're not that great, then get some help. It'll, you know, return in terms of your occupancy levels. 
Yeah, fantastic and, and great insight and advice there. And I guess the benefit of uh, Airbnb without sort of going down the path of tax too much, I, don't, I know we're talking about exciting lifestyle stuff and holidays, um, but the exciting thing about doing, again, short-term rental is that sometimes, again, tax-wise, it can be available for rent, but if it's not caught up in a structure like a self-managed super fund or, or those other things where you can't go and, and stay in it yourself, you can actually potentially book it out for your own use as long as obviously you don't do the wrong thing by the, the tax office. Have you got any comments on that front as well? Obviously, in very general non-tax advice terms. Yeah, for sure. And and as you say, um, any borrowing costs relating to the times when we stay there you know, are not deductible. Other times when it's available for rent, they are. So that makes it highly attractive. The other thing that I would say about costs is so many of our costs are actually quite fixed. And so the more that you can do to a property or select a property that will be able to command a higher nightly rate, much better for your bottom line. Things like cleaning is just such a huge expense you know, a three-bedroom house that commands $300 a night costs the same to clean as a house that, you know, commands eight or $900 a night. So that's where we pitched the French house and went really after that luxury market so that we would have more left afterwards. And even things, you know, at our little place, providing Wi-Fi, it's a basic human need these days, just providing that against a lower nightly rate, that all does add up. And so you really need to think about, you know, what you can charge per night. And again, ask some local experts or do some research on Airbnb and see what places are booking out at what rate and really run your numbers because you'll be pretty surprised if you've got a big garden to maintain to guest standards and their expectations and you've got to keep a a really immaculately clean house, then that will eat up a lot of your revenue. That's great, Narelle. And so what else would you say again, if you're talking to yourself pre-doing the project, but with the wisdom you have now, what would you tell your pre-project self? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, I'm a control freak and so the best move I probably could have made would be to give all this to my husband to manage because he has a lower care factor (laughs) than I do. At the very beginning, it was really difficult for me when, you know, things would go wrong or things weren't to standard and, and I'd take negative feedback really personally. But when it's a remote property and you don't live there, you know, you're not on site to curate the most beautiful experience or to make sure that everything is absolutely perfect or that the heaters are turned on before the guests arrive. And then that's how I would, I see maybe in my retirement, I'm going to have a and b but I think I just needed to let go. And I probably should have outsourced more of it from the very beginning rather than try and manage it myself. It's probably a personality thing, you know, just be prepared for stuff to go wrong. That kind of is what it is because you don't live there. You don't know everybody in town and all the tradespeople and you've just got to hand over trust and control sometimes and just trust it'll go right because 90% of the time it does and the 10% of the time it just let it go. <laughs> no, 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 I think that's a really good point. So again, lean on your networks or go and create some networks. And I, I think in, in the last time we chatted, I love that you just said, look, go and actually meet some real estate agents in the area and go and meet people in the area because it's so important. Like there are wealth of knowledge and people like you who actually have done projects before worth having a chat to someone who's done a similar thing before just to go, yeah, awesome. What should I be thinking about? What are the unknown unknowns? Uh, so you can at least try and go in there. But that change factor or that unknown factor is always going to be a, a consistent, I think, 
think, uh, event that may happen in the, the background. So, uh, again, you can run all your numbers, but until you jump in there and start uh, doing it, it's uh, probably a, another whole uh, ball game, so to speak. And I guess um, the other thing that I would say is that, you know, being from Melbourne and having a couple of properties in regional Victoria, that you run the risk of being that person who just shows up from Melbourne and enjoys all the trimmings of regional life and then buggers off home. But, uh, you know, I've made it a real point to get to know the neighbours, get to know the local business owners and that sort of thing. And, you know, I'll, I'll chip into the local primary school auction with, you know, I've hosted a couple of events at the house and really try and as far as is possible, um, obviously you're not a permanent resident, um, but just try and support all that you love about that community because, you know, those businesses are what you love about that small town. And so you supporting them, you know, I support the green store with all of our bathroom products and all that sort of thing. And then, you know, they might cost a bit more, but it's just a gesture that I can make to show my support for a beautiful little community. Yeah. And that, that's sometimes that richness as well. I guess we, we talk in the life planning context of like, what does your ideal life look like? And again, if you've got that as a setup, then being able to go, yeah, well, we can smoothly merge between our, our city and, and country life if that's uh, of importance and just really immerse yourself in that experience. So uh, that's some wonderful tips in there as well, Narelle. Look, we do, as always, keep these episodes short and sweet for the commute. Remember those days where we used to be commuting uh, into the office, but they will come back. Any final thoughts or, uh, or tips or anything that we haven't uh, touched on today? I don't think so. I mean, it's often a toss-up between people to go with a holiday property that they can use as a lifestyle option or an investment property. And I think it's really just down to your individual circumstances. Investments you sort of set and forget, whereas, you know, a holiday rental can be a really beautiful part of your lifestyle and create really nice memories for your family. And, and that's something that, that we've really benefited from. And, you know, I'll, I'll never regret that decision. And it's ended up being a, a great financial one as well. So it can really be win-win. So, yeah, thanks, Narelle. That, that's really awesome. And as always, I'll put your links and contact details in the show notes. But I would have a big shout out to everybody to say, go check out the French House on Instagram. It is definitely really well done. And the, again, photography and the layout and how you've presented it all, Narelle, is, uh, is amazing. So congratulations on that. And as you said before as well, if it's a part of your, your life plan and, and something that's important to you from a, a ideal life experience, then definitely worth exploring the options but also doing your research before you, you jump in and doing something like that. But as Narelle just said, it could be something quite beneficial. So thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and check us out on Apple Podcasts and give us a rating if you have enjoyed it. And please uh, share this episode. See you next time. Bye.